Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 391, Tube Calls and Trumpets, from the 2022 NWTF convention. And I am your co-host... And the guy who is finally on the board in Alabama. That's news to me, but I'm your co-host. And the guy who is back home after a victorious trip. Yes, indeed. Saw quite a few pictures and had a couple of good conversations with you while you were gone. Yeah, man, it was it was an epic time. I, I can say I literally lived off turkey meat for 10 days. <laughs> nice. Other than... We drove. We ended up hunting four total states, and between drives on all four of the drives to the different states, we stopped and got you know like a hamburger or something. So other than those four driving meals, though, it was all wild turkey on the tailgate. Nothing wrong with that. That's a lot of turkey. And then you know what? I've had it every meal since I've been home too. So have you really? Yeah. I mean, luckily, you know, it's like chicken or something. You you can't get tired of it. It's a really unoffensive meat. So not yeah. super strong so it's pretty easy to keep going yeah but that's true 
I'm going to quit rambling. You killed one? Question mark? I did, exclamation point. What? You just... Well, you I, obviously... When I kill one, I'm like, hey, Andy, look at this. Like, I had a great hunt. And here's the story. And then you're over here just like, hey, I'm going to drop this on the podcast without even mentioning that anything happened. Oh, no, no, no. I, I sent you a text message with a picture of me and a dead wild turkey. And you obviously did not get it. You must have been in a bad spot. But I'm going to screenshot. You can see yeah, the I don't date have on here. Yeah. And here it goes to... C dub. I'm so. I'm super pumped for you. I know the turkeys have been very uncooperative from what you've told me this year in Alabama. Yeah, not much gobbling and you know, still turkeys roosting, toms roosting with hens, you know. So Yeah. Well, like we've talked about, it may be the Jennies that are screwing things up for us. Yeah. I found one today here at home that I hunted without a gun, and he was all alone, and it was your typical man that just lost all his hens type hunt. He was he was very ready to get back with a girl. <laughs> yeah. And so when he came up, stepped up there 19 yards right in front of me, I pointed my finger at him and went bang, and he flew off. So feel sorry for the next guy that tries him. That one's been educated. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, because I can't hunt him this year, so... That's right. Sorry, suckers. <laughs> he would have forgotten about it by next year, so... Yeah, but... That's cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Was it was it a pretty awesome hunt? Like, was it morning or evening when you got him? It was a morning hunt, and he did exactly like I thought he was going to do. So, it was a great hunt. It resulted in the demise of a wild turkey and... And turkey meat that is currently sitting on the counter in my kitchen waiting to be vacuum sealed and put in the freezer. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes, indeed. And then my good buddy Todd killed one Sunday. That was his first turkey of the season. He's not hunted all that much this year. And hmm. he got an opportunity to kill one Sunday. So he and I were riding together on the way, well, actually on the way to and from, and he just accidentally left his turkey meat in my cooler so mm. it is also going in my freezer but <laughs> this time of night i don't think it's going in the freezer tonight i believe we're supposed to get some showers tomorrow which means i probably won't go in the morning and i'll get his all vacuum sealed and put up tomorrow but yeah we are down to three days mm. 20 hours, 18 minutes, and 17 glorious seconds mm, remaining mm, mm. in Alabama's spring turkey season 2022. Man, now that, I mean, I don't know, maybe we've had some, you know, fairly different seasons, but this one flew by for me. Like, I, I can't believe it's already winding down. Yeah, it, it's flown by for me as well, you know, not the season that I had hoped for, but it's, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm kind of reflecting back on the season and looking forward to the next three days. And, you know, part of me says good riddance. <laughs> and the other part of me says thank you for the opportunity and let's do it again next year. So yeah, and that's really know, the way I feel about it. You know, I, I'm a glass 
half full kind of guy. So, yeah. you know, I, and I said this, I think last week, if the reason that I'm not hearing turkeys gobble is what I expect it to be, what I think that it is, I'll sacrifice 2022 all day long for that. So Yeah, because 23 is going to be great and the flock will have grown hopefully in the year. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think killing-wise, it seemed like Alabama, Mississippi, you know, that region did not have the season they typically do. It'll be interesting to hear what the actual numbers are at the end, but turkeys weren't gobbling much, and when turkeys aren't gobbling much, they don't die as often. That is true. So I'll be interested to see what the tally is. It was an interesting year for sure. I know we have been tagged by a couple listeners, Josh yeah. McGinley, who we met at the NWTF convention. Yeah. He tagged us in a post. He killed one in a very difficult-to-get state, so congrats to him. I know he's fired up. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some other folks have been tagging us along the way. Sage Goat underscore media got one for his little brother. So pretty cool stuff. And turkeys are flopping. And I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm kind of in the pits. I got one more trip planned, but it's not till the last three days of May. I didn't do a very good job of extending my season this year. <laughs> yeah, but you went pretty hard early season. So you did. Yeah, you did extend I mean, it. I can't complain. Like I, I absolutely have had the season of a lifetime. So no complaints here. I'm, I'm honestly very encouraged right now because every state I've hunted, I've seen Jake's, which has not always been the case. And according to my gobbler's herd tally, I'm on well past record pace already. So I've heard more turkeys gobble this year than I ever have in my life. And that is such a stark contrast <laughs> to my season. I have heard fewer turkeys gobble. I've also season. hunted some better destination states than you. <laughs> <laughs> Granted. <laughs> Alaska would be a better destination state than the state that I've been hunting this whole season. Well, and your two, your three trips, you know, three states you've traveled to have all been equally as difficult. So. <laughs> yeah, but you know, just I mean, hammer down in in two of those three states, and then the third state, I didn't even carry a gun the entire time I was there. So yeah, but you got your boys, your, the birds they needed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It Pretty awesome, man. And I, I know, I hope our listeners, I do want to say one thing I was going to make a point of on this intro is to remind everyone to be safe this turkey season. I have heard in the past two weeks of several accidents occurring. Mm. And so I, I really hope everybody listening to this will take some time if you're going to be hunting in May and think about your personal safety when you go in the turkey woods. There was... One guy was shot and killed in West Virginia. Wow. Young man was shot and killed with a 243 rifle, oh. which is legal, legal to hunt with in West Virginia. So keep that in mind. He was setting out his decoys and got shot. Jeez. And then there's a, I believe, 17 year old in critical condition in Nebraska who was also shot. Haven't heard any details further on that. I don't know what was involved there. And then there was a person shot here in my home state on Yanali WMA who was attempting to reap a turkey on the WMA across the private land line and ended up getting shot by his hunting partner. So he he survived and is, I think, okay. I haven't heard details other than I know he's 
living and you know not expected to expire so yeah that's just in the past two weeks and that you know with an increase of turkey hunters especially public land turkey hunters you have to assume there's going to be an increase in accidents i just want to make everybody aware if you're hunting public land especially the guy in west virginia was on his own private land so you got to be careful everywhere you, you never know who's hunting that same turkey that is very true. So I, I just want to make that reminder. Of just It's the first time I remember seeing three reports of incidents so closely together in, in turkey hunting. Because typically it's like one or two a year almost. But man, three right here in a row. It's, that, that's pretty rough. And a lot of them are younger people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. It, it really is. Uh, be safe out there. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I want to kill a turkey just as bad as anybody but I don't want to kill a person in the process. Or be killed. Or be yeah. killed, absolutely. So, you know, as much as we hunt hard, we try hard, we want every hunt to be a success, if it means that you have to let a turkey walk because, number one, you're not sure about the target, or number two, you're not sure what's behind the target, let it walk. You yeah. get to hunt the turkey again if it's really a turkey. So there's no harm in that, you know. Man, I mean, that's just, that's awful. I, I feel for those hunters who have been shot and for their families as well and and the people that shot them because, you know, none yeah. of that was intentional. So Yeah, you know, in my mind, and like, hunt how you want to, but states like West Virginia, I feel like you either have to outlaw decoys and reaping or rifles i feel like there's no way you can have all of those available and not have accidents i agree just get rid of rifles for i mean that's an easy one surely too many people wouldn't complain about that yeah but i i, I just can't see how you can allow those tactics and rifle hunting to coincide because that that's a recipe for disaster yeah especially with an avian x strutter decoy literally looks like a turkey mm -hmm. I mean, with a rifle from 200 yards that looks like a turkey <laughs> and it usually it has a real tail fan on it and heck nowadays a lot of stuff will have it moving in circles like a real turkey yeah <laughs> you know so if you're in a state that allows rifle hunting i would be very careful very careful with things like that you know a, a patch of orange on the side of it will not flare the turkey i do not believe well it's a shame man all right, so now that you've depressed me and everybody else. Yeah, let's get... <laughs> and I think I've Party done the same, ending. talking about been, how bad been season's negatives. been in Alabama. Yeah. Let's, let's get on to something fun and something we can all learn from, from two tremendous... Legends. Yes, in the turkey Absolutely calling legend. and turkey hunting world. So we have Mark Prudham and Harold Knight on the show with a recording from the Two Calls and Trumpets seminar that they did at this year's NWTF convention in Nashville. And so this is a good one. I mean, <laughs> these two guys are just ridiculous. I mean, it's they're so good. And, you know, we had Mark on, what now? It's been a couple of months ago. And... Right before turkey season, he came on. Yeah, and, you know, that was strong. I mean, that was a strong, strong episode. And so you're getting a little bit different content because 
of the recording of the seminar and then with Mark, I should say. And then you have Harold Knight on top of that talking about tube calls. And this is just good stuff. So what do you think? Yeah, I'll top in there. You might even get some bonus goose content at the end for, oh. for you goose aficionados out there. Yeah. All right. Let's Maybe do a it. good locator call. We'll hop in there and see you guys on the other side. I'm glad y'all are here. We're going to have a good time. And um, we're going to take some questions, too, after we talk. Cause I know Harold and I both want to make sure that, that we, we talk about what y'all want to hear. That's the most important thing. Sometimes we talk, might say something that you already know. Because I know there's some good turkey hunters in here. There's people that's been hunting in here probably longer than I have. Probably not as long as Mr. Harrell has, but uh, I'm gonna tell you, um, we're, we're just glad that y'all are here. Um, my name's Mark Prudham, for those of y'all that don't know me. Um, I'm a, I guess I'm a, a hunter first, and then a competition caller. Uh, I've been competing in competitions since 1989. I just retired not too long ago, and I'm helping them run the calling contest now. Um, somewhere along the line, I guess, maybe almost 20 years ago, I uh, became a pro staffer for Nightingale Game Calls. And uh, it stepped up my game because I got the, I got first-hand experience and knowledge and everything on what a turkey sounds like and what it's supposed to be like and uh, killed a few turkeys too. Um, so, um, I guess my thing is trumpet calls and tube calls, and uh, Mr. Harold, uh, this is Harold Knight, by the way. If, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's anybody here that don't know who he is. But I mean, I'm not saying he invented the tube call, but I don't think there was any commercial ones out before his. I mean, he's uh, he's everything tube, he's everything turkey, but he's everything tube call. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about trumpets a little bit. And we're going to kind of roll into talking about tube calls. And uh, that's, that's kind of where we're going to start off. Um, how many trumpet callers we got in here? A few. Trumpets have, yeah, trumpets have gotten to be real popular. And uh, it's, uh, it's a very effective call. And I got a friend, Karen Terrell, um, that... that told me a long time ago, he said, you need to be using a, a trumpet call. And I was like, no, nah, if I can't call with a diaphragm, I ain't, I, you know, I, I'll just go somewhere else and find a turkey to gobble at me. <laughs> but I hunt, hunted with him and I found out just how effective they were. And uh, through the years, I've noticed that they're very effective in birds that have been hunted a lot or, or birds that have been um, like public land birds, you know, high pressure birds, but also certain times of the year, I think they, they just like softer stuff. You know, trumpets I consider to be more of a softer type call. They can be loud, but they can also carry. The sound with a trumpet call will carry sometimes farther than any other call. A trumpet call is a directional call. So, you know, what's the first thing you do when you're trying to get somebody's attention and they far off? Cup your hands, 
and you holler at them or you, you know, that's the first thing you do. Well, what that does is it projects the sound in that direction. So there's no disputing that sound can be directional and sound waves travel in a, in a circular motion. You know, when you're just normally talking or calling, those sound waves travel all the way around. But when a trumpet call or, a or even a tube call, you're, you're pretty much calling in a direction. And that can be very effective in locating turkeys or changing the direction of turkeys or anything like that. So trumpet calls um, are pretty valuable in that sense. And I've noticed that over the years, a lot of turkeys didn't hang up like they used to with other calls. Because I just feel like they're realistic and they're very, very uh, convincing. Um, Mr. Harrell has hunted everywhere there is to hunt, and he's hunted tough gobblers everywhere. And, um, I mean, he can, he can probably tell you um, it, they're, they're a very effective call. Um, you, I know you got some experience with wing bones and all that back in the day. You know, I found out a long time ago that different geographical locations in the country, you got people that use different calls. And I used to think when I thought of a wing bone call or a trumpet call, I think of people from Virginia. Is anybody in here from Virginia? All right, I, I guarantee you, y'all are some of the best trumpet callers that it was. And uh, when I first, I'm going to tell you a little something about Mark here. Mark Perdone was on my pro staff for 20 years. I had the best pro staff I thought in the United States. I had many, many champion callers and good turkey hunters. And Mark Perdone is not only, I think, the best all-around caller in the world. I'm talking about from duck calls to goose calls to owl calls world champion, gobble call world champion. He's one of every world champion is. And folks, y'all, I can't even tell you. I've listened to lots of callers, judged lots of contests, and won a few. I always say if you get in a contest, you're going to win a few and lose a lot. And that's exactly what it is. But Mark is an outstanding turkey caller, owl caller, and gobble caller. And he and I are going to demonstrate something too today that I don't know if is anybody here a goose hunt? Is there any goose hunters left? We're going to demonstrate that two goose call. It won the world champion about five times, and we're going to demonstrate that. Uh, you know, when I first heard Mark use this trumpet call, man alive, did I ever come alive. I said, man alive, that's it. And he made a comment while ago, a lot of times you want to call soft. You know, the end of the turkey season, you can't get soft enough. They've heard everything and, and the hens are nesting and they, they, they just don't, the hens are not very vocal yet. So I think, that 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 call be dead to them. But anyway, when I heard him go through with this trumpet call, which y'all gonna hear here in a minute, I really thought it was one of the best turkey sounds I ever heard from a human being. And I've judged a many of the world and grand national calling contests and lots of good callers. It's good callers everywhere now. But I want y'all just listen to this trumpet call because I'm telling you folks, it sounds like a turkey. And I'm gonna tell you something. It ain't the easiest call to master, 
But the harder you work, the luckier you're going to get on these calls. You've got to work at it. You've got to call. I remember in a contest I won one time, I practiced six, seven years every day. And that's what you have to do. You have to work at it. And this man blows a call every day. Now, he's got a good wife, so all I can say. Well, I appreciate all that, Mr. Harold. Um, some of that, you, he, uh, he was more than nice on some of that. And my wife can hear a cluck farther than anybody in here, I promise you. <laughs> I, she can hear one cluck and get the broom and I'm outside. So, um, but no, talking about trumpets, um, it's kind of my passion. I really enjoy fooling with trumpets. It's pretty much all I hunt with. I, I was hunting only with trumpets and I've always carried a tube to gobble on because I feel like gobbling at turkeys. I've killed turkeys gobbling on a diaphragm call that I probably never would have killed otherwise because I've tried everything else. And gobbling on a tube call is, is something that I always did. So I always had a tube call, but I never really, I never really spent a lot of time yelping and cutting and everything else on a tube because I, I relied so much on my trumpet and everything else. So we'll, we'll kind of show you the versatility of all that kind of thing, but the thing about the tube and the trumpet, I think they're the perfect combination. I, I just think that, that both of them together complement each other in, in what you need to do at the time, from locating the soft stuff and you know, and there's another thing too, a lot of people, a lot of people will say, well, why would you, you know, why, why would you want to gobble at a turkey? Well, I mean, I understand on public land it can be a little risky, um, but think about this. Um, you, don't, you, you might not want to gobble at a turkey, but you're putting a strutting decoy out there, and most of the time when a gobbler sees that strutting decoy, um, you remember the, the pretty boy, Mr. Harold pretty much invented the, the pretty boy decoy and the, the strutter and has killed and called to the gun. I note hundreds, maybe thousands of birds to that strutting decoy. I mean, it is a super effective thing. Well, think about this. You put that strutting decoy in the field, the turkey runs to it. He knows it's a gobbler and he knows he should be gobbling. So if you've got a situation where you can't see or he can't see a decoy and you gobble, he just assumes there's a, a, a gobbler there. So it's actually the same thing. Instead of the visual, you're getting the audio. So you're portraying the same thing. So don't be afraid to practice your gobble and everything and, and use it if it's safe to do so. Because, um, you know, I don't use decoys all the time, um, but I have and either way is effective. But what I'll do, my, one of my favorite things to do in the morning when I get there, I like to start soft. And I'll start off, you know, and, and I know Mr. Harrell might not agree with me on this because I know, I know how he feels about it. I, I like to call the turkeys on the limb. I think he likes, you like for them to hit the ground first. That's exactly right. I, I like them <laughs> on the ground because I had a man come by my shop, Jack. Jack's been here many times. Uh, Jack is here, and I said, he told me, he said, man, 
I worked one this morning for three hours. I said, no, he worked you for three hours. <laughs> he, called him, he called him on the roof, and, there, and that turkey wasn't going to fly down. He saw the hen. But, you know, if I could call a good Jack, uh, I'm sorry, as good as Mark here, I might want to call him on the roof. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've hunted with Mr. Harrell. In fact, he, he might be one of the only people you might be the only person that's ever called a turkey for me. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember too many other people because usually I like to call. I'm kind of, I'm kind of obsessive compulsive on that. He, he uh, and, and I remember David telling me he said, "Let Harold call. Let Harold call." So I'm like, okay. So, um, but anyway, what I like to do early in the morning is I'll start off just with some soft stuff. And I like to try to escalate a little bit. And I try to be as real as I can because, you know, I, I, I want to mimic what's going on. The reason I call to a turkey early is where I hunt is really thick. And a lot of times you don't get, you don't get but one chance at a bird like that. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is start real soft. And if, if there are other hens, then I, I, I definitely want to because... I don't want him to think that those hens are the only game in town. What I'd like to do is try to make him think I'm a hen, and if I can turn him around on that limb and face me, I feel like I got a little bit better chance. Now that doesn't always work. Just like Mr. Harold said, uh, sometimes you know they'll they'll mess with you for for a long time. But I'll start just kind of soft, and remember. If you start soft, you can always get loud. But sometimes a turkey that don't want to hear loud stuff, you can't go back soft. I mean, I guess you can as he's approaching, you know, if you want to do that. But what I like to do is start real soft with some tree yelps and then just, just kind of wake up in the morning, kind of like this. do that I won't do that until I hear another hen fly down or if I feel like they should have already flown down good light they can see the ground they don't like to fly down too early unless in a field you know when they can see now I have killed them almost in the dark in the field you know, they fly down really early but that's just kind of how I'll get things going and I just see how things progress from there I kind of see how he wants to act and, and I guess you do the same thing with you. Absolutely. Take his temperature. That's what you got to do. That's right. So, but I'll tell you something about turkey hunting. I don't care how good a call you are, how you go five days in a row and kill a big dog. If you write your speech out the night before you go, you're going to have to rewrite it most of the time. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what's been my experience. That's right. But a lot of times, and just like he said, you have to change with the situation. Turkey hunting is constant decision making and it seems like most of the time I always make the wrong decision but you, you, you learn from your mistakes 
always try to ask myself, well, what could go wrong? And I try to avoid all that. And after that, and I'll try to figure out what's working. But after, after things kind of wake up and everything and the birds are on the ground, I'll just kind of see if he's coming, I'm gonna keep that soft stuff up. But if he needs a little bit more coaxing or if he's got hens, um, and, and that's another thing about a trumpet that I've noticed. Um, I've called more hens with a trumpet because I just feel like they're convinced that it's another turkey. Uh, those hens will come in there and they'll just kind of hang around and then pull that gobbler right in there with you. So I don't want to really make her mad. I just want to do some soft stuff so she just kind of comes in there with me. Mark lives in South Carolina and he's talking about thick and it's thick down there, you know, and uh, I'm sure he hunts a lot of other places, but where he does most of his hunting is pretty damn blame thick. And, uh, but uh, he was telling, talking about that soft calling I know he takes a lot of people. Now he don't shoot them. He don't get to shoot turkeys. We don't. I don't get to shoot very many turkeys. It's always somebody. I've got plenty to shoot. And I heard him tell me one time how many turkeys he killed, and every turkey killed that year was called in with that call right there. And I tell you, that's that's pretty amazing. Does that sound like a turkey going for turkey hunting? I'm gonna tell you something. He's giving the soft stuff. He can get louder with it. And that is a turkey. That will score in any uh, contest he gets in. That will score when he's out there in the woods calling that old gobbler too. I'm telling you, that will score. That's turkey. Well, if, if, if I have trouble, you know, getting the bird to come, and, you know, a lot of times that's the case, I would say I probably kill more turkeys between 10 and 2. And... You're really lucky if you get a bird off the roost. I mean, I've done it many times. Uh, I, I carried Steve right there's daughter. Him and his daughter went with me last year, and we got lucky. We, we went in there and got, I, I had an idea where those birds were, and we got in there and got close. Almost got too close. And um, I didn't do any more than that. I pretty much just tree yelped and did some really soft stuff. They ate it up. I felt like they were gonna fly down in our lap. So I didn't want to do anything to mess it up. I just wanted them to know I was there and that was it. And, and after the birds hit the ground, I pretty much didn't do anything else. And she killed a really nice gobbler with me. And um, we had a great time and sometimes less is more. You know, never call any more than you have to. Um, sometimes though, man, I'm telling you, I get in them cypress swamps and I get to call and it sounds real good. And I get to saying, man, that sounds good. And I start calling and <laughs> that ain't always the best thing to do. As it gets a little bit more um, and I might need to get on a little more, I'll try to get a little bit more. I just try to escalate, just get a little more uh, aggressive. Another thing I'll do too, and I think this is very effective, I'll try to sound like more than one turkey. Anytime you can sound like more than one turkey, they feel like the flock's over there, especially if he's just got one hen. They feel like the flock's over there, but there's more than one turkey. That really works good on hens as well. So 
if I can sound like more than one turkey, I'll do it. And that's on anything, diaphragm. Absolutely, geese. Oh, yeah. Calling, duck Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll try to do more than one turkey. working I just keep that going and um, a lot of times here's another little challenge that that I've kind of learned to deal with a lot of friction guys will tell you it's hard to call a turkey to the gun when you're the shooter and you're you got a pot and a striker and you got a lot of movement you're trying to set all that stuff down so a lot of times what I'll do is um, I, I call turkeys to the gun with a trumpet so what I'll do is I'll have my call um, on a short lanyard. I like a short lanyard, and I know I got these tubes up here, which I usually I'll keep my maybe keep my tube on a lo longer lanyard so they don't clank. But I try to keep my trumpet close. See, it's it's right there. So what I'll do is I always keep this hand. Now everybody's different. I mean, if, if there's a you know if it works for somebody else differently, that's fine. I keep my left hand on my forearm, on my knee, and I'll use this hand, and I'll reach around my stop, and I'll bring my, my trumpet up. And as the turkey gets in close, of course I won't have all this clanging, but I can just drop the trumpet and slide my hand up. There's very little movement. Some people like to call with their left hand, and in that case, you know, you got on trigger, you got all this movement, like that. So what I like to do, that short lanyard keeps it from falling and getting down in your lap and all that kind of stuff. Plus, I like a long, as long as I can get, face mask. And the reason I do that is because I don't like to wear gloves. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that wearing gloves will change the sound. Um, I've had people argue with me on that, but it, I've, I've recorded it. I've played it with gloves, played it without. It definitely changes it. My calls are tuned to play bare hand with my bare hand. That's just how they're, they're tuned. So I will try to keep my hands under my mask the best I can, or at least this hand. Now, I may every now and then I may wear a glove on this hand, just depending if it's really open or something. But I will keep this here and keep, keep my hand under my mask. And then, I mean, you can just, just slide your hand up like that. So it can be done, it's not easy, but you can call them to the gun with a trumpet if, if you just remember to keep, you know, practice that. Every now and then I'll get busted, they'll see some movement because they're coming, they're looking for a hen. So they can come in there at any time, you know, and see you. And I've had them slip up behind me and not make a sound. And 
you know, that's just a chance to take. That's that's turkey hunting. Absolutely. So that's um that's pretty much the the way I'll I'll do it. Um, trumpets can be used as locators, it because it does travel. But the one thing that I noticed, and I told you it was a directional call, is I don't know how many times with a diaphragm call, and I know Mr. Harold's done this, you know, being a right-handed shooter, I've had the birds be coming this way, and you set up perfect, and they'll come around on this side. And you, you know, it's, you're trying to do all this and trying to get turned, and then they see you. So, you know, as a diaphragm caller, you, you, can, you can take your hand and throw that sound this way. And I've seen them come in and go this way, and I've had them turn and come just like that, just right. I know you have. Oh, yeah, Because with me, you and I hunted together, and uh, we actually had a bird that was coming to you, and you were throwing the sound toward me, and I killed the turkey. But the thing is, is a trumpet can be used the same way. And, in fact, it even more effective because when you call and you throw in the sound over here, it, it throws more sound that way. So if I want that bird to come here to where my gun is, all I gotta do is just turn it. And it's very simple. You can almost cock it in your mouth and you can use your hands even more and you can throw that sound. Another little trick to that that I've learned is I've had birds that will hang up. And you know, one trick, you know, Mr. Harold taught me a long time ago is when a bird hangs up, if you can, and you can get away with it, especially if you got another hunter. You walk back, you know, 30, 40 yards, call again, he thinks that hen's leaving or the hen's farther than he thought it was. So what I'll do is I'll just turn around. I don't really have to move a whole lot, but I can turn around and throw that sound that way. And it sounds, it wasn't in this room because it would bounce off that wall, but it sounds like the hen's farther or going away. So that's another little thing, and that, that's a, a good trumpet deal right there. That makes a huge difference. I've had that work a lot. Anybody got any questions on that trumpet call? Yes, sir. When you were doing the, the soft tree talking, I noticed you had your hands muted around the front of the bell. Yes, sir. Do you have any tips on how to let the air flow through? Do you seal your hands tight coming through the side because I know it's a suction call? Um, no, sir. I don't. I don't close my hands off. I run. I run a trumpet maybe a little different. Some people, and it, it really depends on the trumpet. To be honest with you, some people build a trumpet that that runs more of a closed hand type method, more of a clear thing where you close your hands off. Um, but I, I really, I kind of open my hands. The only thing I do is I put my finger over half the hole. I don't put my finger in the hole. I put it halfway, the side of my finger, halfway over that hole. And then I, I wrap my other hand around it. Now I can change some things with this. That, that changes the tone. And then I can use my other hand as, as a sounding board to, one thing I like to do, especially if it's windy, is I like to call into the palm of my hand, and that lets me hear it a little better. It, it gives that, but now, 
also and it's windy it needs to get out more so I made once I realized that I, I'm hearing it I got the right volume I can always open it up so so I, I'm either I'm not really closing it off I'm either pulling it to me or either letting it out you can get different turkey sounds by doing that that's a different hen and this so you can get you can really do a lot once you learn it's just like a if you were playing a flute or something or any musical instrument you know there's more than one chord and it's just, it's just like playing those chords it's a it's just a matter of playing with it and knowing how what you're doing is affecting the sound and then you'll learn it over time you know the trumpet call he's got i've got a lot of wing bones and all kinds of trumpet calls so i got a whole one of his and I, I mean, it, it is a difference, and uh, and that's a reason. It, call, it it takes so much time for Mark to make one of these calls. I can't tell you, Ian makes every one of them. Uh, while he was visiting me this week, uh, he lives in South Carolina, and I live in Kentucky. And I went down on the creek, we did with a saw, and cut a big piece of hedge apple, bulldog. And buddy, if it, that's tough wood. It, it, it'll blow your saw, but he wanted to take a piece back to South Carolina and make calls out of it. And he makes a beautiful call. We're not up here trying to sell calls. Jamar ain't got nothing to sell. But uh, I'm telling you, he has got one good call. It's a lot different than you can call. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, trumpet calling, is, like he said earlier, it's not easy. It takes a lot of practice. But if you can master it and you can learn to control your air, and a lot of it is the way you pull the air. A lot of it's the way you run the call. There's there's different methods of running the call. Um, and I don't like the name of method or whatever, but a lot of the a lot of people, you know, kind of kiss on the call a little bit. I don't run it that way. There's nothing wrong with that way. A lot of people call it call clear. Um, I call it a raspy, kind of a raspy fashion. And um, I kind of learned that from Mr. Zach Farmer. Zach Farmer is a, a man that lives not too far from me in South Carolina. In my opinion, he's one of the greatest trumpet men that there that there is. And uh, he's a good friend. He's probably 85 years old or so. I go see him all I can, talk to him a lot on the phone. He, he kind of opened my eyes to what a trumpet can do. And, and uh, he makes some amazing calls. And uh, so I, I kind of learned listening to him. I kind of learned his method. Um, he taught me a little bit, but he's kind of tight-lipped on everything too. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those old turkey hunters, they don't want to tell you nothing. But, um, but anyway, that's a, that's, that's what I know about a trumpet. Um, but I, I'm gonna tell you, this, this is the man right here on tube call. Um, he, I, I've got a couple of his old tubes. And he was explaining to me how they started, but I'm gonna let him talk about that. Well, don't let him back kids. This man can blow a tube call too. I I had one thing I could do and beat Mark at, and now he's unpassing on that. And that's a that's a goose call. That sucker, you know, that that's a, one of the hardest calls it is to learn to blow. It's almost as hard as trumpet call. And he kept calling me and and I and kept telling me how you do this, how you do that, next thing you know, he's done got mastered and we'll blow that the last thing. But I, I I packed a tube call around my neck neck for years with a linear. 
And I finally learned that that was hurting me. Now this is one of Mark's calls right here that he's working on, that's coming up with, and I've been helping him. It's, a, it's just a simple little call. I used to have a little half moon in the bottom of mine, and Mark showed me you didn't need that. So, and uh, he also showed me we have to not have that rubber tight. It's got to be loose, almost like a wrinkle in it. And it's like warming an old car up. You gotta, you gotta warm your reed up a little. You know, when you first start blowing it, it don't, it just, it ain't there, but it'll get there. What I'm trying to do, now this is a lot louder than that uh, friction call, or shoot, uh, trumpet call. I mean, a lot louder. But this, this is not a call I start with. But buddy, I guarantee you, I locate a lot of turkeys in this. And I'm learning to put more rasp in it and he and I work back and forth with each other. Every time we get together, he'll teach me something. And, uh, and I'm telling you, don't let him, he's gonna blow it here in a minute too, but I'll start off and show you what we're doing. It's warming up. <laughs> but anyway, getting your following blow here. Well, we we blow th that we blow a little bit different too, um, coming from the competition side of things. You know, I try to do things probably a little bit louder and more aggressive and stuff but you know i mean mr harold's the man on the call he always has been since 1972 at least but uh he used to make them in the back of the barber shop and uh that was how night and hell got started with the tube call i've got one of his first tube calls and uh I i'm telling you i mean it's just uh i should have been running a tube call a lot earlier than what i should have done but what I do, um, and I know we got different color latex, they're all the same. They don't um, make any difference, they're yeah, just a thickness. It, it's a, there's a thickness difference, and you gotta find what works for you. Um, some people like the light latex, some people like a thicker one. And it, it, the sound's gonna change, it just depends on what you're looking for. So, this is how I run mine. Um, this call sounds a lot better, folks, out in the woods than it does in a building. I can tell you that. Yeah, it, it, the sound in here, they're loud and it bounces off these walls and everything. And then you get a lot of echo. But um, like I said earlier, and we were talking about, this is a call that complements the trumpet. If I, if I need to make one gobble, if I'm trying to locate one, I'll use this. Or if I need to fire him up, I can't tell you how many times I've not done anything and thought there wasn't a turkey there and I break that tube call out and the next thing you know, you know, I got one fired up and it is just a, it's just a louder, more aggressive call. It will make those hens mad when, when you got a hen that's being aggravating and she's not, you know, it'll make them mad. Um, it'll snatch a gobbler out of one before he realizes he did. Um, a lot of times, um, I'll throw cutting in there. But one thing that I think is important, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to call a little long, but 
I think it's important that you listen as much as you call. I think a lot of people, a lot of times people get to calling, turkey gobble, they didn't hear them because they called them. Just like an owl hooter. You know, um, you know, Night and Hill had the best owl hooter, still does, in my opinion, that 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 there was. Mr. Harrell, I think, invented the owl hooter too, the reed owl hooter. But I see people all the time, they blow their owl hooter and they go through a whole owl routine, turkeys over there gobbling, and they look at me, did you hear? And I'm like, yeah, you gobbled the first thing you did. So you gotta, you gotta listen. Listening is, is a big important part. You hunt with your ears as well as anything else. So I'll run a tube call and I'll get kind of aggressive and then I'll stop and listen. So, but I may run it a little longer just because, you know, Mr. Harold said you gotta warm it up. So. If you throw a throw a Jake gobble in there, um, and I'm not sure this call. Sometimes I I'll tune a call to get a little bit more Jake or a little bit more or or the gobble. You know, I'm sometimes sometimes you got to play with it to get the best gobble. But I can give you one. Times that old cow can, yeah, Jake, Jake will come right in there behind that gobbler, and then you get a big gobbler mad if he thinks there's a Jake moving in on him. Yes, sir. How you tune it? How you tune it? Yeah. We have found out that most people on a tube call put the latex too tight. You need to have it almost like a little wrinkle in it, just so it gives that raspy sound when it rolls over. And uh, uh, after you learn to blow one and fool with them, you will learn how to tune it. I'm, I'm not. Trying to tell you no, not, I but you will. It'll come to you. Have a tune. Trial and error. I'll teach you a lot there. But the first thing I do, I try to cover about half the hole up, and don't get the rubber real tight. I like to have it just just a little loose. And uh, and I, I tell you too, it depends on the person because everybody's lips different, and it depends on how much lip you put on it or in it. Some some people like to, to run it with. Um, a little more lip, some people don't. It, it depends, everybody's different. So you may have to tune it. I mean, I might can hand you this call and it not be tuned for you. Another thing that I've learned too, um, I'm blowing from down here. Even with the cut, you can cut 
on a tube call by saying took. But I'm not saying took. I'm 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 more like hook. You see what I'm saying? I'm not putting the T in there. Now it, it, it's a little harder for for to me it's a little more realistic because I can get those highs and lows in that cut. So this is took. And ain't nothing wrong with that. But most of the time I'll huff it or come from the diaphragm and then and then I'll get those highs and lows in there that you'll get from a turkey. Down. That's what a hen will do. Sometimes I never yell. I just cut. Okay, that's that's right. That's exactly right. I get, usually location away, and then I get a real soft, maybe a friction call or some kind of real soft, and finish him up with that. Another thing. And very too, few times I finish a turkey with a cheap call. That's right. This, this isn't, in my opinion, a finishing call. Um, you, you need to, a lot of times, get a little bit softer to finish a turkey with. I'm not saying that he ain't gonna come running and come straight to you. Turkey knows where you at. You could you could just call and it may be a little loud, but you just back off and let him come. These are good in the fall too. I know uh, you said you were from Virginia, so y'all fall, a lot of guys fall. Down. So you can do a lot of things. You can key key on these calls. Versatility. Any other questions on that tube go? Yes, sir. Uh, so, I mean, I've heard you can say taka taka to gobble. Yeah. And what about if you're wanting to do those jake calks or, or just a yelp? Is there, well, you say took is a good thing yeah, to try no, to. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that, that. Jake calcing or whatever, I'm coming from a diaphragm. I'm not necessarily going talk, talk, talk. I'm, I'm going pop, pop, pop. See what I'm saying? Kind of a I'm, I'm, I'm blowing air and not, I don't want that quick burst like a took, took, took. Like if you were actually trying to say a word or into the call. Or yeah, I would, I would say it would be more of a Hub sound in the instead of a tub. Now, now goblin, I'll took a took a took a. I think because you to, to do an accurate gobble, you need you need to start the air, stop the air, stop, start, stop, start. See what I'm saying? It's got to be broken, and it's hard to do that. Now you can kind of blow through and come from here on a gobble. I'll give you a little bit. It, it's it's usually deeper, but let's say it took a took a. I think the second one's more realistic, oh, but it's harder, it's harder to do, harder to control. So. He's got a lanyard on his, I sold many, many a few calls with a lanyard on. And I learned something, I was hunting two or three years ago, and I went get my tube called head on a linger didn't have no latex on to hung it on a limb. <laughs> so so what I've done, 
I went and got me an old peel bottle and stuck my call in it and stick it in my pocket and bring it out. And I'm, I'm sure when I get it out, it's got a, a read on it. But anyway, it's just the individual preference there. Is there any other questions on the cube call? Yes, sir. Right here, this young lady. Go ahead. Well, the latex stretched across there is what gives it the sound. And you can take your finger, you can kind of hear that latex vibrate. And that air going across the latex makes it vibrate really fast. And sound is just a vibration. So, and then the thickness or the, the different vibration is what gives a different sound. So that's why you have to stretch that across there. Yes, sir. At what point do you decide to add the gobble to your calling? Are you calling like again? Honestly, I, I throw a gobble in when nothing else works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You throw it in there regardless. I, I no, if, if, if I can't get him no other way, if, if he don't come to hen yelping or anything else, then I, I gobble because I, that's just before going to the truck. <laughs> <laughs> does, he, uh, does he use the gobble back at you? Do you get a return gobble? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you've heard turkeys out there on this ridge, on that ridge, answering each other. And sometimes you can fart, get one fart up a gobble. And I, I use a gobble call quite a bit louder than what I'm we blowing right here. But uh, you can make one answer. And let me tell you something. If you're out here hunting, that, do that Jake Hill then. I meant the cow, the cow. This is, I feel more turkey hearing that. Not killing the Jake, but every, what that Jake does, he's honoring that gobbler strutting. That old gobbler sitting there going, and that Jake hears that, and that's when he makes that sound. He's honoring that strut. And I've, they give the location away, Numbers of times I'd be sitting out there and hear Jake do that, and, and somebody said, "That's a Jake." I said, "I don't care. He lives old gobbler cold." And boy, we David and I killed a many a turkey doing that right there. Yeah. And this year we out there hunting. When you hear that Jake making that calfing sound, you remember he's honoring a strut of an old gobbler. He's around somewhere. Yes, sir. Can you just go through the? Dynamics of putting your lips and holding it. Um, um, latex up, latex down, top lip, low, uh, lower lip positions, etc. Go, go ahead, Mark. You, you got to see well, it a bit. well yeah. what I do is um, I put my I put my top lip across the top of the call like this, like that. And then I put my bottom lip against the latex, pushing in. And if it, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that tickles my lip. If you're doing it right, it's not going to tickle your lip. And, I mean, and if you practice as much as yeah. Mr. Harrell has. I ain't got no feeling in it. It'll tickle after a while. But, uh, and a lot of people say that about a trumpet. They say it, it's tick it tickles my lip when you run it. And um, you know that go away. It, you get used to it. But um, yeah, that's that's what I do. Um, 
and I put I put the latex on the top, but I'm running my bottom lip on it. Now I've seen people that, that run it with their top lip and turn it upside down. Mm -hmm. I, I mean I've seen that. Mm -hmm. it, it's just whatever works for you. Um, that's just the way I do it. Um, I think you have a little bit more range of volume and different things you can do with your bottom lip on it, but it's up to you. What size latex are you using? This is this is four thousands. Around four thousands. Um, and you know you can get. I think his is green, my yellow. They're the same. It's just a different color. But a lot of times, some people might want to. I, I wouldn't go less than four. But you know a lot of y'all's old Nightingale tubes were thicker than that. Yes, it was. And we found out later on. We we always had a little cut in the in the sides to make it ratchet. And I still, a lot of times, will make me a little bitty cut on one side, real narrow cut, to get that rasp out. And uh, it, I'll tell you what, the more you fool with it, the more you'll find out those things. And you know, it, it just practicing with it, and you'll learn the, the right uh, tension and everything. It won't take you long. And uh, yes, sir. When you put that little cut and get that rasp you're talking about, yeah. how does that affect your gobbling tube? It doesn't affect it. It doesn't. I, I, I don't think I have one here, but, you know, it, yeah, this one got just a little... You know, it, it, it doesn't affect it that much. Now, I like, if I was going to have strictly a gobble call, I'd have an 8,000 uh, membrane on because it gives you a deeper louder. And that thicker latex may need a cut on the side. Yeah, that, that's the one I cut most times, the thicker, yeah. the gobble with. Some, some people... Yes, sir. I'm sorry I missed you there. Yeah. Uh, get back to the trumpet. Uh, what diameter hole do you prefer on the balcony? That's a personal preference. I've handed people my trumpet and they tell me the hole's way too small. Um, it, it all depends on the internal part of the rest of the trumpet. A trumpet, um, and there's some, I'm, I'm telling you, there's some trumpet people in here that, that know a lot about trumpet. Um, Steve Lumen back there is one of the finest trumpet makers there is. Uh, to me, and this is just how I describe it, but a trumpet is just like a carburetor. You're the motor, depends on the amount of air you put in to what size jets you gotta have. So the way you run a trumpet, dictates how much air that you, you you have. You have to have a certain amount of back pressure. You have to have, um, everything needs to work for you. So what I may like, you may not. I will say that I do believe a, a larger hole is a little easier to run for most trumpets and most people. Um, but that's all dependent on you and the trumpet. That's the reason why I asked you because it seems like any time I've ever bought one, rather than making one phone call, I usually have to do something to it to make it small. Because I, I like, and I didn't know if that was normal or what, you know, having a smaller. Right. I, I, I like We're about to run out of time, but sitting yeah, here. Yeah. We got one thing we want to demonstrate before we leave on Tuesday call. We're going to take just a minute is the goose call. Uh, has anybody ever heard of a tube goose call? Yeah, I see some out here. Anyway, I think it's got one of the most realistic sounds of any call, goose calls out there. And I made 
every kind of goose call I guess you can make. But uh, Mark, we'll tune in here. I'll start well, off. Well, first of all, let me tell you that Mr. Harrell ain't going to tell you, but he won the World Goose Calling Championship with a tube call. And I think he was the first to ever do that. And it set off some other guys doing it. And there's, there's still a few doing it today. So well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I won it one year and showed a young man how to blow it. And he beat me like a drum the next year. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is this is Goose Paul here. I could call half as good as either one of those guys on any turkey call i'd be tickled yeah they're they're pretty impressive and just a wealth of knowledge you know and those two calls that they're teaching there are not heavily utilized yet very effective in the hands of a master like that yeah so it's pretty pretty cool i mean that was definitely for the tube call especially i was impressed i'm glad we have the audio from that because I think we mentioned how good Mark was on the tube call in our last episode with him. So I'm glad we finally got to kind of let people hear that. Yeah. And you got motivated about the tube enough just to go buy one and start working on it. Did Have you used it at all this season? No, I haven't even taken it with me once. I bought that. I bought that call. I got too hype. I heard Mark Prudhomme do it and I was like, man, you know, 20 minutes and I'll sound like that. Not the case. So, <laughs> I have not taken it yet. I honestly, I get really hype about my assortment of calls, and I have this diaphragm call that I use, and I kill turkeys with it. Turkeys gobble at it, and turkeys like to come to it, and I just can't seem to ever stray from it. I, I need to probably use other tools, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You yeah. Know? So, I can't. I can't stop using this diaphragm call. It just, I have so much, I don't even know that it's the call. I think it's that I have so much confidence when I'm using it that I do better. And I, I think that's a big part of calling turkeys is when you feel the utmost confidence that what sounds you're making are going to sound good and that he's going to gobble at it. For some reason, it seems like they gobble more at that because you're confident. Well, I can ruin that confidence for you. You come spend three days with me in Alabama and... <laughs> You'll be throwing that call in the trash. We'll put it next year on the, on your club. We'll put it to the test. If I bring it there and they gobble at it, it's a stone cold killer. That is true. That is That's true. But yeah, so I mean, I bought a new box call. I bought the tube call. I got the 
perfect hen. I got, I mean, I got so many calls out there now. I was all hype about, and I seriously haven't used anything but this one diaphragm call. The the tape is wearing off on it. Literally, I can open it. There's no glue left in it, and the metal's coming through on the bottom, but it's still killing. Mm-hmm. So it'll get retired after this year, and I'll buy another one. But it'll go on the shelf next to the other ones from years past. There you go. It's just it's hard to hard to stray. Have you? I, I didn't ask this. Did you use a trumpet trumpet for your turkey? I didn't. Well, yes, but that's not what I used to call him in range. Okay, so, so that goal has not been checked yet. Not yet. It's gonna not happen. Yet. You still got a big trip coming. I do. Yeah. So you you still got ample opportunity. Yeah. And one of the birds that I killed this year, I actually located with the trumpet, but finished it with diaphragm. Nice. Nice. So. Yeah. I mean, the trumpet's a great locator cause, as they mentioned there. I mean, you really have to be masterful on that instrument to do the finishing type calls, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the finesse to me is getting soft on the trumpet. Yeah. So. No doubt that's the good stuff right there and you know i'm i'm still not there but it does take practice and i've been practicing throughout the season because when i'm trying to get a turkey to gobble in alabama and they're not playing very nice i'm running through every single call in my vest yeah (laughs) so it's pretty much every day then (laughs) yeah absolutely so it's you know i actually enjoy running that trumpet and i just need to continue practicing with it when season ends and I don't so know, you sound pretty good to me i mean let's also face the fact that you're not exactly uh practicing on the most agreeable of birds so well yeah you're right if i go to a state that has turkeys that actually gobble you know they may fall all over themselves run into this trumpet yeah i mean where you are compared to new zealand is probably very different you know they, they probably like the trumpet so I bet they do. We need to go find out. <laughs> we will one day. I'm going out there Lord of the Rings style. It will happen. There you go. But Very cool. Good stuff. I well, hope you all enjoyed that seminar. If you, you know, there was actually quite a few people in that seminar. I'd say maybe 75 people or so were in there. So if you weren't there, though, I'm glad we got a recording for you to get to hear it. And there's stuff like that at the NWTF convention every year. So if you need more motivation yeah. to go. There you go. Yeah, tons of good stuff. And, you know, thanks to Mark and to Harold for letting us record that. So that was awesome of them. And I'm just going to say favor of the week is what Cameron mentioned before we went into the interview or to the seminar, I should say. And that is be safe, period. There you go. Nothing else needed to be said other than you closing us out. Yep. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, 
how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.